I'm Darian Lenton, New South Wales state finalist for Miss World Australia, and this is my interview with The Paget Project. Hey everyone, it's Aiden from The Pageant Project and I'm here with Darian Lenton, who is the first person I've actually interviewed from the Miss World Australia competition. She's a New South Wales state finalist. But before I say too much, Darian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. And um, whereabouts are we? We're actually in Kirrawee. Um, it's in the Sutherland Shire. And um, yeah, we're in South Village. It's a new apartment complex. <laughs> I can't believe... You want to tell people just how big this is? You were telling me before. Yes, it's actually huge. There's... 850 apartments and underneath us we've got lots of restaurants and supermarkets it's really convenient i love it here yeah and so if you like the view behind darian it's a lovely sort of pink and purple <laughs> sky goes with the top that's where we are um darian so you are a state finalist yes. for new south wales Correct. in this world australia yes why don't we start with, I guess, how you got into into the crazy world of pageantry? Yeah, um, to begin with. So, how did you? How did your journey start? That's a great question. So, um, it's actually a really interesting one. I did my portfolio because I wanted to get into modelling only about a year ago, right. and prior to that, I hadn't had any modelling or pageantry experience. So, this is quite quite new for me. Yeah. And so, about six to twelve months ago, sometime in there. I was on Instagram and I saw a sponsored post from Miss World Australia and that's actually where it started. So I um, applied and I was selected to um, compete in the preliminary state finals and there were three heats for that Mm for New South Wales. So I competed in the last one of those. Yeah. And you yeah. got the nice hotel. I did. The I one did I went nice to was in Chatswood Chase, which I like Chatswood Chase, but it's not quite a nice yes, hotel. The, bu- the building that we were in was stunning. Mm. Um, it was at Sir Stamford, yeah. Circular Quay. Um, it was gorgeous. I loved it. And yeah, I was I was really pleasantly surprised that I made it through um, having no experience, but I think I was just really confident and fun and yeah. just made the most of it. And yeah, here we are. So you said you saw a sponsored post. Yes. But, I mean, a lot of people can see a sponsored post and not take action. So obviously that post must have caught your attention for some reason. Yeah. So what what did it trigger in you that made you think, okay, I want to enter this versus just, you know, doing the scrolling thing? That's a fantastic question. I actually haven't thought about that before. But I think the reason why I decided to enter it was because of a few reasons. One, because... I absolutely love taking new opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge opportunist. Um, any new opportunity that comes along, I want to take it. Yep. Um, so that was one reason. And I think also because I'm really passionate about, about making change, both in my community but hopefully nationally and even globally one mm-hmm. day. And I thought that this would be a fantastic opportunity just to use it as a platform, sure. I guess, to become a global leader um, in just things that I'm passionate about. So, yeah, I think that's kind of what made me take the leap. And what... What are the sorts of things that you're passionate about? And you mentioned a couple of them before the interview, but um, give us an idea as to the things that you're really passionate about that you want to make a difference in. Yeah, so there's two, I guess, main areas that really interest me. One of them is environmental sustainability. So I'm really, really passionate about making global change in that, especially in educating people on how they Mm -hmm. can make their own changes. I think the key with sustainability is not, Everyone has to do it perfectly, but just everyone trying to do something. And that's yeah. where real difference is made. Um, so that's probably one reason, one mm-hmm. thing that I'm passionate about. 
The other would be um, human rights and especially child protection in Australia as I grew up in the foster care system in Australia. So um, that's something that I really like to raise awareness for as well. Sure. I think everyone understands the environmental concerns. I mean, yeah. it came up in our recent federal election. and Absolutely. I, I tend to think that the politicians are never really doing enough, but that, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> but the child protection, because you did grow up in the foster foster care system. Yes. And um, as you told me before the interview, you, you moved in and out of how many foster homes? 26? 26 different homes, yes. Okay. So can you give us some, in, some idea? Because, I mean, you can never really tell anyone what that was like when they haven't done it. Yes. But can you do your best to give us ideas to what that was like growing up? Because, Absolutely. I mean, how, you're what, like 20? I'm 22 now. Yeah, so you're still extremely young. So yeah. to move 26 times, what was that like? It kind of had a lot of implications for me, one being my education. So because I was always moving house, moving schools as well as moving homes, mm. um, there was a lot of things in my education that I either learnt twice or I skipped completely. Yeah. So there was a lot of things in my education that I was far behind in and that I really struggled with, particularly in high school. And then probably just the instability. I would come home from school one day and all my bags would be packed and I'd be going to the next home and I'd have no idea. And sometimes that meant moving to a different school. Right. So I'd just seen all my friends for the last time at and that school know. and I had no idea. And then... That was traumatic for me, obviously, because I wasn't sure. seeing my friends anymore, but also because I had this fear that my friends, I guess, were going to worry about me, that I mm. just disappeared. Yeah. They didn't understand why I left and why I didn't tell them. I didn't want them to think that um, I had anything against them or anything like that. That yeah. was a really big stressor for me. Even though it was only primary school, um, it really affected my social skills um, and my ability to make and keep friends because mm. I was scared of losing them. Um, yeah, that, had a lot of effects on me. I can, imagine, can you tell us why why you would why would that situation occur when you would come home and your bags were packed? I mean, was it something that the foster parents had said they want they did, like? I have no idea, so I yeah. don't I don't want to offend you. Of course, but was it like they said they didn't want you and you moved on? Was it the system that said no? You've had enough time here. Now? I can't can't believe it was, but yeah. No, why would you be moved on? That's a great question. There's a combination of things, mm. but. Of course, being a foster child, they don't want to tell you that. Um, even when I was wow. first removed from my mother's care, right. I wasn't even told what was going on. Right. So when I was taken from my mum, I didn't know who was taking me. I thought right. I was actually being kidnapped, which was also a really traumatic part of it. Yeah, no How one old were you when that happened? I was eight. God. So, And it was from my own doorstep. Mm. And I didn't know who was taking me, why they were taking me. All of a sudden, I was just in a new home. And I thought that this family had stolen me. No one had explained to me why they were doing this for yeah. me and that it was for my own well-being. And then, um, but there's different types of care. There's emergency, short-term and long-term. Mm. And that, the only thing that differs between the three of them is the length of time. Sure. So if I had kind of used up my time, the carer kind of is in a position where they have to say, look, either um, put us on a contract with a longer, a longer term, term. Mm. or they need to be yeah. removed. Other times, I guess, they might find it too difficult. Um, even this, their own children, this, my foster siblings might right. not be getting okay. along with me. What, whatever it is, right. um, there, there's lots of reasons that could cause me to have to be removed suddenly from the home. But you're never told? No. I was too young, I guess. Right. I think maybe if I was a teenager, things would have been different. But I spent the bulk of my foster care time yeah. in primary school and early high school. 
Wow. But yeah. I mean, still as an eight-year-old, if you don't know why you've been taken away from home, it doesn't matter whether you might understand all the bits and pieces, but I kind of think yeah. you should have been told something. Otherwise, I totally agree with you. Otherwise, I mean, you don't know. Like you literally <laughs> yeah. might think you've been kidnapped and these people just want to pretend that you're their daughter. Exactly. And it was really scary as well. Um, I remember one time because I still genuinely, I was still with that first home, mm. I still genuinely believed that they had stolen me, I guess. Yeah. And I tried to run away as an That's what I would have thought. Like, I'm going to run away and go back home. Yeah. So I caught the wrong bus home from school intentionally mm. and police got involved and I got in so much trouble, but I still didn't understand why. Yeah. That police were protecting, I guess, the foster parents. Yeah. In my eyes, the people who had stolen me. It was really confusing time for me. And but that's what I would have figured. That's yeah. what I would have done if I was taken away from my yeah. home. The first thing I would do is try and get back. I think my, my reaction was perfectly natural. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah, because I was made to feel like my reaction was not natural mm. and that I should be in trouble for that, it really, I think, interrupted my development yeah. um, and gave me a lot of anxiety and um, made me, especially as an adult mm. and a teenager, feel like everything was my fault. Yeah. So it's affected me really long term. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I've, I've got to say, I've interviewed a lot of young women and even old women and even men, to be fair. A lot of them have this fear that they're not good enough mm. and the fear of rejection is yes. absolutely massive. Yeah. I can't imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't imagine that being moved 26 times is good for a young woman's self-esteem. Absolutely not. Because especially because I didn't know why I was being moved mm. every time I, it got to a point where every time I believed that it yeah. was my fault that they didn't like me, yeah. that I wasn't a good enough daughter, whatever it was. Um, it was shocking. So how did you deal with that? Because I know people who have a, a, a lot more of a minor trauma, it's not even a trauma, and they feel hugely rejected. How did yeah. you deal with something like that? I think because it was just such a normal for me, as mm. shocking as that sounds, um, I just thought it was my life. And I often, I was always upset. Yeah. I would cry at school, which I'd be bullied for. It was a problem because I didn't know what was going on. Mm. So I couldn't really explain to my friends what was going on either or my yeah. classmates. So They probably wouldn't believe you. No, no. If you just told them, I think I've been kidnapped, they'd be like, what are you talking what are you about? What talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was being bullied at school. I didn't know what was going on at home. Mm. It felt like I wasn't safe anywhere. Um, it had massive implications for me. But dealing with it, I don't really know how I did. I think I just kind of just kept pushing you through had it. No choice, did you? Yeah, I just don't think I had the choice. And my, I was very lucky in the sense that I've always been very academically strong. Mm -hmm. So I really drowned myself in school. So I tried so hard in schoolwork. I would go over the top with homework. Mm. I remember even as a kid, I would make my own projects for myself. So I'd cut Keep pictures. Keep yourself busy. I cut pictures out of textbooks and like encyclopedias. I mean from the bookshelves and yeah. make my own things, um, wow. which was good that I had that distraction rather than getting up to mischief, or, mm. um, which is where I think a lot of foster children end up going. Yeah. So I was quite lucky in that regard. Yeah. So having been through that experience, <laughs> for want of a better word, um, what are the sorts of changes? Because you said you're obviously passionate about that system. What are some of the changes that you might make to that system? I think the biggest one is that I was very much treated like a number. Mm. So um, just some numbers for you. My When I was first taken off my mum, it took over 400 complaints for me to be taken from my mum, from my neighbours, school, 
friends, parents, whoever it was saying that I was in danger and I needed to be removed from my mum or that they should investigate it. Mm. When I was finally removed, there were over 900, just in my town, 900 other children who urgently needed a home. So I just wasn't a priority. And Which town was this? This was in Nowra, right. down the okay. south coast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was over 900 kids who also urgently needed a home and I just wasn't a priority. So I think also as well growing up in foster care, mm. I never had any consistency. It was always new home, new home, new home. Yeah. It was a different person driving me from home to home. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to have a caseworker. Most foster kids do get a regular caseworker, but I didn't. Or if I did, I wasn't checked on or spoken to. Right. So I had no form of stability whatsoever Mm. at all, no form of consistency. And I think just the fact that, I don't know, it made made me feel very unhuman, I guess. Mm. Um, Just treated like a number. Yeah, just a number. As opposed to a person with actual feelings. Yeah. Exactly. When you said 900 children, that was in Australia, in New South Wales, or? Yes, in my town. Just in your town? Just in Nowra. Just in Nowra, there were 900. Who urgently needed a home, who weren't in foster care yet, but who needed to be removed, who, who like me, had several hundred complaints. I've, I've heard a lot of numbers in my time, but that number is it's ridiculous. Huge. Yes, and it's not like that for every town. It depends yeah. on the socioeconomic yeah. area. Like. I, I've been to Nara, yeah, but I never would have thought that no. now. I know I, when I went, was in Nara, I never thought, "Gee, no, this is it's a place." A beautiful area, yeah. um, but it's it's shocking. So many people just don't know about it, and right. I there was another shocking statistic is that last year or the year before there was over forty nine thousand people, like children, Australia wide, who were in foster care. Mm. So when I think of that number, that makes me think how many weren't in foster care that needed a home. Because probably for everyone that's in it, there's probably, I don't know how However, many who need it. Town, but yeah, yeah it, there's just such a lack of carers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they do their best to try and mm. help by encouraging carers yeah. to take it up through compensation, through support, through yeah. even respite, taking the kids off for a mm. weekend to give them a break. But still, I don't think enough carers want to get involved. Sure. Why do you think that we have so many children who need to be placed in foster care in the first place? Because that number, as I said, it blows my mind, 49,000. That's a football stadium of basically disowned children. Why do you think, I guess, from a larger maybe what society is doing, why do we have so many children that can't be with their actual parents? There's multiple reasons. I think there's a big stereotype that foster care is only for children with bad parents Mm. or parents who can't are not capable of looking after them. It's not always that case. Um, It could also just be, you know, a teenager has had a baby and can't look after it. The the father's not around and they want the best for the baby. So they, instead of, I guess, giving up for adoption, they put them in foster care. Mm. Um, Because in Australia, adoption is ridiculously difficult. Mm -hmm. Out of those 49,000 children, only 250 were adopted. 250, that's it. That's not even 1%. No, because like adoption is expensive. It's mm-hmm. time-consuming. It's difficult. So no one does it. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of families who really who have a child, mm. either planned or unplanned, but they they themselves don't think that they are good enough right. to look after their own child. So they want the best for them and give them up for foster care. Mm. Um, there's that sort of thing where the parents will do it voluntarily yeah. and there's other times where... Parents are maybe have their own issues that going through, whether it be sure. mental health or a drug addiction. They're humans; they're not perfect. Exactly, yeah. they might be going. 
I think it's not their own fault. It's what they're going through that they don't mm. have enough support for. I don't blame my mum for what she's done. I know that if she just had some more support that she would have been very different. Yeah. And I think that's the case for a lot of parents. Um, but, yeah, in those cases, it's just safer for the child to be forcefully removed. Fair. Okay. Um, so, basically, if I'm understanding you correctly, the adoption versus the foster care adoption is more expensive. And I guess adoption is a commitment as well because yes. once you've got that child, the child is legally yours. Correct. So, it's a bit scarier than someone foster caring. Correct. With adoption, the parental rights mm. are stripped from the birth parents. Right. And they're handed over. Transferred. Yes. Yeah. Whereas with foster care... The parental rights are still with the original parent. Right. And in foster care, they do everything they can to eventually, hopefully, return them to their original. Or return. Yeah, if that's possible. Right. They will, good foster agencies Mm. will try and support the biological parents or families, whether it be aunties or Mm. whatever, to try and bring the child back to their biological family. Yeah. Um, But the difference in costs is with adoption, there's this. The fees, there's legal mm. costs, there's just so much of it. Yeah. Whereas with foster care, um, the agencies will pay you. Right. So it's kind of the opposite. You're paid to be a carer. Which I understand, but that's also sad in a separate way that the child is like it's either a financial burden or a financial asset okay. in a way. Exactly, so. yes. Yeah. So um, the I think a lot of foster carers... As, as good as it is that they've opened mm. up their home for children and want to support them, yeah. I think, unfortunately, there are a lot of carers out there who are just doing it for the financial reason, Yeah, um, which is sad, but I, I guess at least the kids have a home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish more people became carers. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that, that's mind-opening. That's something that I certainly have not looked into um, too carefully <laughs> at all. One of my friends um, who's also in pageantry, Krista, I know her – Parents, um, they don't adopt. They're probably foster carers, and they're, they're amazing people. They're so selfless. I can't remember how many people they've had throughout their time, um, but that I had no idea the problem was that big in Australia. Um, Forty nine thousand is, is is crazy. It's insane. Um, just just to lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> so, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do in your spare time? What do you do for for work? What do you do in your spare time? Let's change the subject a little bit because that was heavy. All right. No worries. <laughs> so, In a good way, though. Yeah, yeah. No, of yeah. course, of course, of course. So uh, up until recently, I was actually working full-time as a project manager mm-hmm. for a solar energy company. So uh, going back to my passion to, for sustainability, right. yeah. working in the renewable energy just made sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, I've decided to resign from that role. And now I'm kind of pursuing my own businesses and just ideas I want to make a difference on my own Mm -hmm. so um, that's why I've done that now I'm doing multiple things Mm -hmm. give (laughs) us an idea yes so I am tutoring so back to the foster care Mm -hmm. stuff I am now tutoring um, and I have a specialization I guess in tutoring students who are in foster care yeah or who have been in foster care because like I mentioned they would have been a a large gap in their learning yeah so that that Developmental trauma is something that I'm familiar with, so I help those children. And with that, even children who have ADHD or autism or Mm. any other kind of thing that makes it difficult for them to learn, I help those children as well. So that's one one thing that I'm doing. (laughs) I also have a really large interest in music. 
So I sing and I play piano and I go busking a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I... Whereabouts do you busk? So um, in this area, because I've only just recently moved to this home, right. I go busking in Cronulla in the main mm-hmm. CBD. So um, it's really great. You just have to be a certain distance away from businesses <laughs> and <laughs> okay. move every two hours and they're okay. happy. You don't need a license or anything. Okay, because in the CBD you do. You do. Yeah. And it's paid and yeah, if you don't have it, it's a really big fine. You need public liability insurance and everything. In yes. The yeah. So it really depends on the council, yeah. but um, I'm really lucky this council is pretty pretty flexible yeah. and supportive of musicians. Right. So that's great. Yeah. So that's music. Yep. What else is on your list of things to do? <laughs> um, I, with also the sustainability mm-hmm. stuff, um, I've started a group called Sustainable Shire. So I live in the Sutherland Shire, mm-hmm. so Sustainable Shire. And I, it's just a social media page, basically similar to what you're doing with the pageant mm-hmm. project. But I am interviewing and promoting businesses who are doing good for the environment. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, just yesterday I interviewed an awesome salon um, down in Bangor. Yeah. And they're a sustainable salon where okay. about 98, 99% of their waste is oh, wow. recycled. Okay. That's amazing. It's fantastic. So like the scrap hair yeah. is um, put into nets and they use that to soak up oil spills. <laughs> um, it's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. Neither did I. So before I forget, because I will ask you for your social media details separately at the end, but yeah, what's, sure. how can people find this page that you started? Yeah, sure. So um, it's just on Instagram. Instagram, mm-hmm. Instagram and um, we have a Facebook page as well, and it's just our Sustainable Shire. Our sus- um, so at our Sustainable Shire. Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so that keeps you busy. It does, um, and I have a really bad habit of just picking up every opportunity that comes along. So I'm getting I do, that feeling. I do yeah. sometimes overwhelm myself. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that at all. No, <laughs> um, but it's good. I like the challenge. Um, keeping busy is really motivating for me. Mm. That's what gets me up in the morning when I know I have somewhere to be or someone to meet or something to do or something to fix. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what drives me. So do you do anything in downtime or do you not have any downtime? Um, My downtime is probably just music um, or spending time with my housemate. I have an amazing housemate, Taylor. Mm -hmm. We've known each other since early high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we met at one of those schools I went to. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're living together now. Yeah. And other than that, just probably music. So t- tell us a bit more about the music because I love music. But what, so what sort of the genre? So you said you sing, there's piano, there's guitar. Is it acoustic guitar? Yes. Okay. So what sort of musical tastes do you have? I am really broad. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a particular genre or artist that I like in particular. I feel like a lot of different genres or a lot of different artists mm. have maybe one or two songs that really suit my voice or style. Right. But other songs they don't. Right. So it's really difficult for me to pinpoint some. Is your voice sort of more poppy? Is it more soulful? Are we talking like Ariana Grande? Like what? I would really say more soulful, like more even soul. right. not jazz, but just like more of like a groovy, like nice. slower feel is like right. something I really love to do. Okay. So I love Nora Jones. Yeah. Um, I saw Nora Jones back before she was famous. She came to the opera house. No way. And she was kind of not really busking. She was just kind of like in sort of entry area. And I remember getting a CD from her. It's like, who's this Nora Jones? And then obviously she became Nora Jones. I literally had no idea who she was. And I was on my way to a Broadway classical concert. Wow. And I could have like talked to her and everything, but you just have no idea who's going to make it, right? And I just remember getting the CD like Nora Jones and now she's Nora Jones. Do you still have the CD? No, I don't think so. Oh. I think I threw it out because, no. like, this is not <laughs> What uh, a fantastic story, though. I know. It's, it's crazy. I think I was on the way to, I don't know if you know Diana Crowell. She, she's not so big now, but she was a massive 
jazz singer. Um, but I mean, what are your favorite songs to sing? You must have some favorite songs to perform. I do. My favorite one, it changes all the time. Okay. So what's at the moment? Um, my favorite song at the moment is Million by Alan Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's just exactly what I just described. It's really just slow, but groovy and just really soulful. I don't know. Nice. I love it. It's fun. Nice. <laughs> You'll have to, are you going to perform at your event? Not tonight, but um, when I will be. I figure you're not at Grilled. Not at Grilled. We love Grilled. I love the burgers, but probably you're not going to perform at Grilled. Not at Grilled, but when I do have my mm. big um, fundraising event, which the date is to be announced, yeah. <laughs> I will hopefully perform at least one song. You really should. I That'd think I should That would be amazing. Too. Yes. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people who, who can sing. I've got a really big music background. So do when you? someone stands up and the, I don't sing though, but when someone says I can sing and they're a little bit off pitch, I, I actually, it physically causes me to like jump yeah, in a my- Yeah, a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Noted. Uh, yeah. I, I won't, I won't name names because I'm sure people get offended. <laughs> anyway. Um, so before I go into the final 10 questions, cause I always finish every interview with the final 10 questions. Ooh. Would you like to give the ladies and gentlemen watching your social details? Yes, absolutely. So firstly, thank you so much for watching. My Instagram is at lentil D. Is and I'll spell it And my Facebook is just Darian Linton. And that's pretty much all the social I have. <laughs> Perfect. I should ask before we get into the final 10 questions with Miss World. Yes. Because um, we got so involved in the, the foster system, I didn't really ask anything about it. But if you happen to progress to the national finals, and let's say you did really well, even won, what are you hoping to get from Miss World? Is it a chance to build your platform and continue advocating just on a larger scale? Or yes, there- absolutely. I just really hope it would give me some credibility. Mm. Um, Not to say that I'm just anyone, but because there's so many people who are in foster care and just so many people, I guess, in the general population, having some kind of title or public recognition, I really think would be extremely powerful and give me credibility to Mm. make a change. So, yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm really hoping for. I mean, you'll be amazed how many people will react differently even to the sash because even when you walked out to meet me, there were people looking at you because you were wearing Yes, I definitely noticed that. Yeah. It's really surreal. <laughs> get, get used to it, I would say. Yeah. How did you find the Miss World? So you've been in the prelims. How, did, how, have, you, how have you found the experience so far? Um, it was a lot. Not to say that I was expecting it to mm. be bad or anything, but it was a, much better than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure because I've never done pageants before. I was kind of expecting the girls to maybe be a little... Um, Catty? Yeah, yeah. Did she? But it <laughs> wasn't like that at all. Um, yeah. the, the girls were, were lovely. Mm. I, I really loved, you know, preparing with them and speaking with them. Yeah. I made a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, there was just a lot less pressure than I thought there was going to be. Yeah. Um, so that was fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you do, are you doing anything particular for pageant prep? I mean, what, we're about four weeks out from the state finals? Other doing- than fundraising, I'm really yeah. not. Um, I Other than maybe watching some videos of mm-hmm. previous winners or I'm not really doing anything. I'm, I feel I'm a very confident speaker, mm-hmm. particularly with answering questions on the spot. Yeah. So. How I, did your Q&A go? Did you did your pre- Yeah. The what question was the question? suited me so perfectly. Lucky you. What was the question? <laughs> About opportunities with education. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, oof, this is for me. Who did you have to pay to get that question? <laughs> I, I was That's so perfect lucky. for you. But it was funny because when I was waiting in line backstage, yeah. all the other girls, they were getting questions. And I was like, oh, I wish I had that one. Oh, yeah. it's such a good question. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I was a bit worried because I was like, oh, all these girls are yeah. getting these great questions. And then I got a really good one too. So my answer was I was really happy with my answer. I, I, I can't imagine. But I, there have been some questions that I've heard that I just think are really stupid questions. Like my favorite stupid question <laughs> is if you could be a tree, 
what kind of tree would you be and why? And every time someone asks me that, because I've been asked that more than once, I just refuse to answer. I mean, how would you answer that? I don't know. The first thing that I thought of when you said tree was yeah. deciduous. <laughs> but I just associate the two words together, and especially because it's winter. <laughs> deciduous trees are shedding all their leaves at the moment. Okay. I'm not, I don't know how I'd answer it. It's a funny no, question. No, it's people trying to be too clever. Anyway, let's go into the Q&A. <laughs> now, these 10 questions, I finish every interview with them. So... Let's see how you go. Okay. Question one. What is your favorite word? Ooh, my favorite word is eloquence. I think its meaning really sounds like how it sounds to say. It's got a Q in it. It does. So, I mean, yeah, that's a good That choice. just automatically makes it a great word. <laughs> and it's just really cool to say. I feel really fancy when I mm-hmm. say it. Eloquence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like it. Okay. Question two. What yes. is your least favorite word? Moist. <laughs> <laughs> It's like 50, 60, 70% of people. What, what is it with the word moist? It is just it just... makes me really uncomfortable <laughs> to hear. I don't know why. I've had two people now answer that's their favourite word because it makes everyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> so they like saying moist that's, just that's to make... That's clever. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's clever. I think it's a little bit... Mm. Anyway, <laughs> question three. In life, what turns you on? What gets you excited? Ooh, um, people who are driven. Mm-hmm. I love surrounding myself with people who are just as driven and ambitious as me. Mm-hmm. And not many people like that. N- no, there's not. <laughs> just, just put it, letting you know. I, ha- I have few friends, but yeah. quality friends for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> and opportunities. Yeah. So um, any opportunity, I'm just like, yes, okay. I'm taking you. All yeah. right, perfect. What about question four? What turns you off? People who are the opposite of that. Lazy, unmotivated. Yes, I cannot stand people who don't want to do anything with themselves yeah. or take opportunities. Mm. I, that really makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just, I can't yeah. associate myself with them unless they, they want to be switch. Mm. If they've been like that, they're, they're like, wow, help. how do you do that? Can yeah. you help me? I'd be like, yes, yeah. my time to shine. But Sometimes people ask for help. They don't take the advice. Yes. So that is a bit even more. That's worse. Turn off. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because they've wasted your time and now they're still the same. Yes. Okay. All right. Question five. What sound or noise do you love? Ooh, sounds. I this might be really typical for a girl. Um, I don't know, but I love babies laughing. I don't think I've ever heard that answer. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think babies laughing is like, that makes me so happy. Sometimes I cry of happiness hearing a baby laugh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, that that's a compl- it makes sense, but I think <laughs> it's the first time I've had that answer. Really? So question six, what sound or noise do you hate? Um, probably a typical one, um, chalkboard scratching yeah. or just anything that's similar to that. Um, I know this isn't a question, part of the question, but um, there's some fabrics or feel- things that touch that mm. give me that feeling as well. Like, I don't know, I don't know if Which anyone else fabrics? has it. Velvet. I can't touch velvet. You don't like velvet? No, if I touch velvet, it gives me the same feeling as fingernails down a chalkboard. I love the feeling of velvet. I don't. I don't like the feeling of wool. That makes me itchy. That reminds me of school jumpers. But <laughs> velvet, I thought everyone likes, like silk. Yeah, no, no, no. I can feel like almost every fiber. It's just like a sensory overload for me, I think. And I just, I can't stand wow. it. Okay. Anyway, um, you just okay. reminded me of that. Okay. All right. Fingernails on the chalkboard. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question seven. If you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? The ability to, I don't know if this is a superpower, mm-hmm. but just the ability to help off everyone and everything mm. and fix every problem 
um, I don't know if that counts as a superpower. It does because it's not possible. So it's got there to be go. a superpower. There you go. Amazing. Glad I answered the question then. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I often, especially probably in my like teenage years, mm. I really struggled with the concept that I couldn't fix everything. Yeah. That was a really big problem for me. Yeah. Um, I wanted, even now, I'm still probably taking on too much, mm. but I even took on more and I just wanted to fix everything and I wanted to contribute to everything. Mm. Um, it's a really big problem. So I think if I had that superpower, that would solve that problem as well as lots of others. (laughs) Question eight, what job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt? Ooh, I'd love to be a diver. I can't swim very well, so that's probably out of the question. (laughs) You can learn. I actually, so I didn't learn how to swim growing up, Mm -hmm. but I did try to teach myself, not last year, the year before. I went swimming every day. I did drastically improve, yeah. but I still wouldn't call myself a strong swimmer. Okay. And I think I still have that fear of water. Okay. But I think that's what's so enticing about it. Yeah. Like if I could do it, I yeah. probably can. Yeah. I would be a diver. I think yeah. the ocean's so fascinating. When I yeah. did uni, um, I learned that 95% of the ocean creatures aren't discovered yet. I heard that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's insane. Amazing. That statistic is, mm. just blows my mind. So, yeah, I think diving would be cool. Okay. What about what's a job or occupation that you definitely would not like to attempt? Now that I have been in the corporate environment, I definitely never want to go back into a corporate environment. That's interesting. Why not is that? That my old job was bad. Mm. I absolutely love my old job. Mm. It was more the hours and the pressure mm-hmm. and the inability for me to have a life outside of work. Right, okay. So in a corporate environment, obviously you're trying to work your way up, mm. work your way up, work your way up. And then at the top you've got CEO. Yeah. And that kind of stress and pressure I felt wasn't worth the reward. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer to find a job that has less hours, better pay, so that mm. you can earn a similar amount in a shorter amount of time yep. and have a more fulfilling life. I'd much prefer. But you strike me as someone who would handle stress and pressure well. Yes, I am. So you're probably saying it just wasn't worth it for – because obviously you've got a lot of other ambitions as well. Exactly. And having that nine to five or eight to nine, whatever it is these days, wasn't going to allow you to have the energy to pursue exactly. all the other things. Exactly. Right. And I found that exhausting in itself mm. that I my, I was getting distracted really easily just by all these other things that mm. I wanted to do and I just lost motivation yeah. to work, I guess. Um, even though I loved what I was doing, I – my brain doesn't have the ability to just focus on one mm. thing. We call you multi-passionate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, yes, I, I do cope with stress and pressure very well, Yeah. which is why I did thrive in that job. I did really well. I worked mm. my way up and it was fantastic. Mm. But I just think even though it was good, there are things that are better for me. Perfect. Okay, final question. Mm-hmm. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive? At the pearly gates. Ooh. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think there's so many things that he could be sorry for. Mm. Or she. We don't know if God's a girl or Mm -hmm. a boy. I sometimes say she. What Mm. would you like to hear her ask? Mm. So I think there's just so many things in the world that people are suffering from. Yeah. And in some cases, even like myself, the suffering mm. has been a good thing because it's helped me to grow into a different 
and almost a better person, I think, and that's the suffering's been good. In retrospect. In retrospect. But still in the middle of it, especially to kids. Going through it, yes. But then on the flip side, Mm. there's also a substantial amount of suffering, so much more than like a much greater percentage than the type of people like me, Mm. but where they endure the suffering Mm. but never get out of it. Yeah. And that really upsets me. Yeah. And not as a direct apology to me, but just an indirect apology to the world, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you often hear these cliches about, you know, suffering builds character, et cetera, et cetera. But when you hear, like in New Zealand, you know, the mosque, the the killings, I mean, there was no reason for that to happen to those people. So you can't tell me for them and their families that they're they're going to find a deeper, I mean, I guess maybe the families could, but yeah, I completely get you. Yeah. So that would be what I would say. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Well, before we wrap up, is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to? Ooh, um, say hello to <laughs> everyone who has shown any kind of support to me. There are so many people. Um, I'm just so grateful because even though I'm super independent, which everyone seems to point out, um, I definitely couldn't have done what I have without everyone who has supported me. So thank you. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Best of luck at the state finals, which at time of recording is four weeks away. Yes. Where is it being? Oh, I should know this. Where is it being held? Um, at the Star. That's right. Yes. The casino. The Correct. bright lights of the city. Yes. It will be fun. Four weeks away. 7th July. Awesome. <laughs> All right. I'm going to thank everyone for watching as well, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Adrian. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get details about new episodes as they drop. And connect with us on social at The Pageant Project. Speak to you next.